If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 18. And I'm going to tell you just what this praise and worship team did this morning. We, we, we're just inviting God's presence to be here because I'm here to tell you when God's presence is moving and is here with us, then, then it just makes my job easy. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. It makes it really easy up here. And uh, I believe it opens our hearts out there so that we can um, all just learn and grow together. And so uh, we, we appreciate everybody that's making this happen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It'll be also on the screens, and if you're watching online, it should be on there as well. Let us hear God's word. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. Now may it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we are starting a new series today, and it is called Final Countdown. Go ahead and start the 80s music. No, just kidding. But anyway, and, um, but Final Countdown, and the reason I kind of feel led, or the reason I do feel led to, to uh, speak on this and kind of give several weeks to it, uh, four weeks to it, is because um, I, I, there's so much happening in today's world. And I know that there are a lot of questions out there, some that I receive sometimes, even from non-Christians sometimes, uh, questions that I receive, you know, are we living in the end times? Uh, some of our research showed that many are asking that. Is the Antichrist, uh, Antichrist alive today? What signs should we be looking for? It's the mark of the beast in the new vaccine. And that was one that went out on TikTok. But anyway, I don't know. Um, it, and, and Or now some folks are even wondering if aliens are a part of the end times. And I, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to try to answer that one, all right? But anyway, uh, since now they're seeing UFOs and stuff. But anyway, but some, um, I want this series, though, to highlight what we believe the message of the gospel has to say about the end. And, and the Bible actually has a lot to say, especially in the New Testament, some in the Old Testament about the end. And so we're kind of going to look at that together and uh, 
see what the Bible says about the end of the age or, of course, as that REM song, the end of the world as we know it, all right? And so we're kind of going to talk about that. We're going to cover several subjects in these next couple, several weeks. Uh, talk about the return of Jesus. We're going to talk about final judgment. We're going to talk about hell. And, um, yep, yep, we're going to talk about that in a Methodist church. And uh, we are going to talk about heaven as well, because I believe God, the gospel always ends with good news. Amen? So I, I hope that even the Sunday on hell, you will uh, see that there is good news even in the message about that. And, and I haven't decided if I'm going to wear a red jacket and we're going to turn the heat up that Sunday. No, just kidding, just kidding. No, 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 bad, bad, bad. Anyway, but, um, but, but uh, we're going to talk about these things because I think it is something that goes through our mind a lot. Uh, people have been interested throughout the years thinking that the end times was, uh, uh, was coming soon. I mean, folks, and we're going to see even in Bible times, we're thinking that Jesus could come back at any moment. Um, there's folks throughout the church's history that thought it was the time or it was the season. There have been folks throughout the church's history that were seen as antichrist. So, so even uh, some that were uh, some were emperors during that time. Some were not only emperors, but there were also later. Uh, I mean. Many folks thought Hitler was the Antichrist, and I, I think there's no doubt that uh, uh, he was Antichrist in what he was doing. But anyway, um, and, and, and there are some presidents that have been uh, seen at, by some as the Antichrist. And don't worry, they were from both parties, so it's not, not getting political here, all right? So, but, um, but, but today we're going to start by talking about the return of Jesus, the return of of Jesus. Uh, now, there's two extremes that I believe it's easy for churches and preachers to fall into sometimes. And I, I want to talk about those two extremes first. One of those extremes is the preachers or churches that never talk about it. Never mention it, never bring it up unless they just say it in the Apostles' Creed that he will return, uh, you know, uh, to, to judge, to quicken the dead or to living and the dead. And, um, or some others that just, they never talk about it. You know, they talk about the resurrection, they will talk about the crucifixion, but they just leave out this part. But we have to understand that we should not do that because, see, the message of the return of Jesus was a major part of the New Testament gospel message. In fact, uh, the New Testament gospel message was called, here's just a 50-cent word for you that you might need for Jeopardy one night or something. But anyway, it's called kerygma. And kerygma was the proclamation of salvation from the New Testament. That's kind of Peter's sermon or Paul's sermon all combined in one. And the kerygma had several parts of it. C.H. Dodd listed them out as this or, or a, a, a part of this. And I kind of rearranged the word in a little bit. But the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies has dawned. And of course it had dawned with number two, the birth, life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Peter, and if you look at the book of Acts and see him preaching, you'll see that he preaches about, listen, Jesus was the fulfillment of all those Old Testament promises and prophecies that came. And it's Jesus through his life, death, ministry, and resurrection. Now Jesus sits at the right hand of God. He ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of God. 
But he gave us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in the church, number four, is Christ's present power and glory in our lives and in the church. And we just celebrated Pentecost, so that's part of that gospel message. And then number five, and this is the one kind of that we're going to sit there on today, is the Messianic age will be consummated in the return of Christ. You notice that? It was one of the main parts of the gospel message, the New Testament message. And then number six, they would always end with some type of altar call, um, uh, as we call it today sometimes. But they w- it would be an appeal is made for repentance with the offer of forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, and salvation that is made. But notice that number five is the return of Jesus was a major part of the early church's message. Why have we, in many places, many times, left it out? I mean, it's a part of our creeds. It's a part of our communion liturgy. You know, our communion liturgy, whenever we say together uh, those words at communion, we make that proclamation, and let's say it together right now. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so we must know that it is a part we cannot leave it out. Even better than that, it's reaffirmed in the Bible. I mean, that's the greatest source, right? That's our top source right there. And it's reaffirmed in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. I mean, it just doesn't get any clearer than that. And so it tells us that Jesus is coming back. Now, that's one extreme is where some churches never talk about. The other extreme, I believe, is where preachers and churches kind of get obsessed with it. We, and, and I've seen that happen as well, that, we're, that we are obsessed with it, that, that we, you know, that it's all they talk about or it's either an instrument of fear or an instrument to, you know, just get somebody to make a one-time commitment to Jesus and everything. Let me tell you something. Anything that I scare you into or talk you into, the devil's going to be able to talk you out of. Amen. So it, uh, when we give our life to Christ, it is a heart experience that we give, not just because of fear or something like that. So it has to be something we're wanting to do to be with Jesus and to live a life with Jesus. And there's been a lot of folks trying to figure it all out. And I mean, I'm talking about figure all of it out. But, but listen to what the Bible says about that and what Jesus says about it in Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. That's what Jesus said. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to talk about being alert and watchful and that kind of thing. But he says, we're not going to know that. In fact, there was a guy that wrote a book back in 1987 or so, and it was called 88 Reasons. It was a bestseller. It was called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. Problem was, 1988 went by, and it didn't happen. And so I'll just go ahead and say his book in 89 and his book in 93 and his book in 94 flopped, all right? They did not go. They were not bestsellers as good as the 88 one. I I mean, you know. But here's the thing. I think sometimes God just laughs at us and says, really? Really? And so we can't be obsessed with that 
In other words, uh, I've heard some preachers say we cannot be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Amen. And, and so, so we need to do that. And listen, I know there's signs out there. I know there's signs at times. I heard Dr. Billy Graham. I went back and listened to one of his sermons from 1989. And, and he was preaching on the return of Jesus. And he was saying some of the times and signs and everything. And it looked like they had, I was like, man, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, good gracious. I mean, some of the things, uh, I, I mean, whoo. But anyway, um, but the thing is, yes, there are signs out there, but we cannot be obsessed with that part to where we're not concentrating on spreading the gospel message. So what is the message of the second coming of Jesus? What is that message? I want to talk about that for just a few minutes this morning. Number one, the message of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, it is a message of comfort and hope. It is, first of all, a message of comfort and hope. Now, Paul writes this whole passage to the church of Thessalonica, and they're asking the question, okay, Paul, you said Jesus is coming back, but, you know, some of us are getting on up in age, and some of us are even dying, and uh, what, what if that happens before Jesus comes back? And so Paul is writing to them, and he says, Listen, I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, like those who have no hope about those who have fallen asleep. Now, Paul was using that word, fallen asleep. He was using it as a nice way of saying those who have died. All right, like we use passing away or going to be with the Lord or, or church triumphant or whatever. So he was using that kind of terminology. And so he says, for those that have fallen asleep, don't worry. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then those that are alive will be caught up in the air and you will all be with Jesus forever. Now, listen how he finishes that passage in verse 18. He says this, therefore, comfort one another with these words. He did not say scare one another with these words. He did not say twist one another's arms with these words. No, what does he say? He says comfort one another with these words. Listen, the return of Jesus in Scripture is also referred to as the blessed hope. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant like those that have no hope. You have hope if you believe in him, and don't you worry. He's coming back, and he's going to make all things good again. And I want you to know that's the message for us. Amen? Is this world messed up? Yes, it's messed up. Do we deal with sin? Yes, we deal with sin. Yes, we deal with grief. Yes, we deal with cancer. Yes, we deal with all sickness and these things. But let me tell you something. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he comes to bring victory. And, and, and hallelujah. <laughs> let me tell you something. Death does not have the last word when Jesus comes back. Amen? Sin does not have the last word when Jesus comes back. Evil does not have the last word when Jesus comes back. War and destruction do not have the last word when Jesus comes back. Injustice does not have the last word. In fact, Isaiah way back there says they are going to, they're going to bang or, or I can't remember that word to save my life. But anyway, they're going, they're going to turn their swords into plowshares and whatever they do that with but beat that's the word beat they are going to beat their swords into plowshares and uh, i don't know why i just had bang but anyway but but they're going to do that and and we know that victory will come it is a message of comfort and hope number two is this it is a message of watching and working i want you to hear that those two go together watching and working 
Watching means being on the alert. It means being ready. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2 says this, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Paul is just reaffirming what Jesus earlier said. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44. Here's how Jesus describes it and what he instructs us to do. He says, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He's saying we should be watchful in every way. We should be ready for that time. If we don't know when it is, we need to be ready for that time. Now, this is not an, a passive waiting that we're supposed to be doing. I think uh, we get that wrong a lot of times. Well, you know, I've got Jesus now. I'm kind of good to go, so I'm just going to sit back and wait. I've got one friend that's a pastor, and, uh, and he said it like this. He said, we are not called to be bus stop Christians. You know what bus stop Christians are? They got their ticket punched already. Amen. I got my ticket to heaven. I'm just sitting back waiting for the bus to come for him to take me home. That is not what we are called. That's not watching. That watching is also, in the meantime, we are serving. Like that old hymn that said, we'll work, we'll work till Jesus comes. And that's what we're here to do. We are supposed to be serving him. We're supposed to be working for him. We're supposed to be doing ministry, whether it's singing, whether it's serving in a nursery, whether it's serving in children's ministry, senior adult ministry, whatever it is, greeters, ushers, all those things, find a place to work till Jesus comes. Amen? Watching and working. And this message is for us. And the message of his return is to be watchful and working for him in every way. You know, I, I love the fact, I, I read that the, um, the 82nd Air Force, I mean the 82nd Airborne Division, that's at Fort Bragg, kind of one of their claims to fame and all um, is that they are ready and prepared to be anywhere in the world to deal with conflict within 18 hours. They can be there and ready and in the midst of doing what they need to do within 18 hours anywhere in the world. And I don't know about you, that's pretty good right there. And they do that because of their preparation and because they are ready at all times. And folks, when Jesus comes again, we're not even going to have 18 hours. We have to be ready, watching and alert and working for him. And number three is this. Not only is it a message of comfort and hope and a message of watching and working, but it's also a message of urgency. It's a message of urgency. Matthew, Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. But if that day and hour, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Now here's the thing. Just thinking logically, if we don't know when Jesus is coming, when should we be getting ready for his coming? Now. 
all the time. We need to be ready here and now. We need to be watching and working here and now. We need to be spreading that hope here and now. See, here's the thing. If we want our friends and our family members and our co-workers and our neighbors to be with us in heaven when Jesus comes again, and I'm sure some of you are thinking, wait a minute, do I really want that? No, no, do not, do not admit that if you're not. But anyway, I hope you do. And if you do, then when should we be sharing Christ with them? Now. When should we be sharing the good news? When should we be inviting them to church? When should we be reaching out to them? It should be now. It is an urgent message. Not to spread with fear or manipulation, but with comfort and hope, but just being real that the time is now. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow. Do it today. It's time to get ready. I love how the kids uh, this morning were talking about getting ready and, and uh, you know, and combing their hair and all that kind of stuff. There's a story of this little girl that, um, that, that uh, came home from church, and the next morning she woke up and she said, Mom, yesterday we learned about Jesus coming back, and they said it could be any day. Does that mean he could come back next week? And the mom said, Yes. She said, well, does that mean he could come back tomorrow? And the mama said, yes. And the little girl said, well, does that mean he can come back in a few minutes? And the mom says, yes. And so we need to be ready. And the little girl said, well, will you please brush my hair? Because I need it to be ready. (laughs) Folks, here's the thing. It's not about brushing our hair. But it is about being ready for the one who gave his life for us and wants to come back and bring with him All that's right and can be right with the world. And all he's asking us is to be ready. Is to be ready to be that bride, spotless and ready for when the bridegroom comes. Are we ready for his return? Let us stand and let us pray. Lord, we just thank you this morning for your, for your grace and for your goodness, Lord. And we thank you for this message of your returning. The victory that you'll bring, seeing loved ones again, knowing life like we've never known it before, God. All those things, Lord, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. But, Lord, right now in this place, this morning, maybe there's some of us that, for whatever reason, cannot say for sure that we're ready. Or maybe there's some things of the world that has distracted us, has pulled us away. And so, Lord, this morning in this place, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, right across this room, I just ask if there's anybody that just needs to say, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to trust you. I want to believe in you. And I want to live for you. If there's anyone in this place that just wants to say that and, and take that step today, right now, Lord, just I pray that they'll just lift their hands. Anybody in here that just want to say that, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Hallelujah. 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 I want to believe in you. I believe in you. I trust you. 
And I want to live for you. Anybody else just want to lift their hand? Hallelujah. You may put your hands down. Now, Almighty God, Lord, right now, not even, even greater than seeing our hands, you see our hearts, Lord. And Lord, so right now, we just pray that, Lord, any of us that need to just invite you into our hearts and lives to forgive us of our sins, to live in us so that we can be watchful and wait for you, God. Lord, help us to do that this morning in every way. Lord, clear out the distractions so that we can be reaching others with the good news of your coming and helping others to be ready as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.